0: Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. Wadproof Bionic is a revolutionary mobile technology to measure and improve your mobility, flexibility, and range of motion. After completing a series of mobility tests, Bionic has everything needed to build the daily sessions tailored to your body. Bionic will help you perform and recover faster than ever. Ready to become Bionic? Download the Wadproof app now. All right, guys, welcome to the Difference Makers. Today we have with us a special guest. We have Rob Fraser, who is of the Outway brand. Outway has recently rebranded from Endure Apparel, and is now going to be. Uh, we'll, and we're going to dive into the, the details of all of this in just a minute here. But Outway socks and apparel. Um, Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Just thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: So I kind of fumbled over the the intro a little bit because I wanted to say Endure a couple times, and then I was like. I had to reset myself a little bit. So Outway is your brand. You guys are a sock company based on Vancouver Island. Tell us a little bit more because you guys have been in Dur for the past how many years now? Five, six years.
1: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's gonna be a weird, you know, transition period, as with any change or name change, especially with kind of like you've said, we're in our sixth year, so there's been five years of going by one name and only you know a couple weeks now of going by our new name so even I find myself someone who's had kind of six months to sort of know this is coming and know about the new name I still find myself sometimes fumbling over it and look you know Endure and our past name is still a part of who we are you know so it's like it's not like it's uh someone says it and I'm just like oh my gosh like you should be calling us Outway. it's like it's whatever it's you know that was a part and we've evolved into the new name and so it's not so much of a a change is an evolution as I like to think about it so one or the other like I think it's totally fine and like we built five years of reputation around one name and it's going to take time to build reputation around the new one so like in that transitional period it honestly doesn't bother me I love our old name um we'll get into it but you know we changed it as a result of external circumstances not because we necessarily felt like we wanted to um or we didn't like it so um we still love the name and it's a part of who we are and a part of kind of like our our culture and what we believe and think and how we think, approach life and athletics and all that. So long-winded answer of saying, yeah, like outweigh injure, but outweigh today is, you know, we're North America's, one of North America's leading performance stock brands. And um, we've kind of merged uh, technical innovation on an often overlooked, you know, apparel or hosiery category We've added an expressive and performance element to it to combine, you know, the ultimate combine and create the ultimate kind of sock or, or piece of clothing. That's both expressive and technically advanced for athletes as well as everyday life.
0: And with that, I mean, people can wear these socks for anything. You guys are primarily in more endurance sports. It seems like right now.
1: Yeah. I would say like the sports in which that we've, we kind of focus on and we've got a lot of traction. I'd say are the ones that most closely follow kind of the sock trend. Um, so like, if we look at cycling, for example, it's one of the, uh, it's like literally like part of the cycling law, the type of socks you wear and the designs you wear and how you differentiate and express yourself. And that's how I originally got into it as a cyclist. You know, I, I, before owning a sock company, I was obsessed with socks and actually had a sock sponsorship from another brand while I was competing. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's always been in my kind of blood for 10 years before starting the brand that like socks are part of the culture, a part of me, a part of the the, the everyday sort of expressive nature of, of myself. But yeah, you're right. Like our socks are designed first and foremost to, because when we look at our product, like performance is one of our key operating principles. So like if we're going to design a product, we believe that that product, regardless of how it'll be, used, should be able to to perform at the highest level, meaning that like this should be a sock that can win Olympic gold medals in a running race or a cycling event. And like we've seen that happen and we know that to be true. However, it doesn't change the fact that we also design our socks to be both beautiful, comfortable, uh, durable so that they can be used transitionally throughout the rest of the day. Like our socks can be on the podium or win an Olympic race, but they can also be worn in a boardroom or to your fanciest event. They're going to look better, stay up, be more comfortable than any good-looking sock on the market bar none like so that's like that's the magic but that's the secondary focus whereas like the top focus is always designing them to be technically uh and technically designed for performance and above anything else but then designed beautifully to be worn throughout the entire day
0: yeah and what I mean, there's so many things I want to start off with before we get too deep into like the design process and that, but I want to talk about you and your, your start. You mentioned when you were competing in cycling, you had this, so you were a five-time national team member. Get that yeah, correct? that's right. So yeah. what, what was your, your primary discipline?
1: Yeah. Into? So I was, uh, I raced a uh, downhill mountain biking. So like for people that aren't aware, like the downhill ski equivalent. So basically time trial, you take a chairlift to the top of the mountain with your bike, um and you're racing against the clock through a confined course of the trees, jumps, rocks, generally between three to five minutes long, average speeds, you know, fifty, sixty kilometers an hour, super dangerous. Um and yeah, it is a time trial. You get one chance at it and you're racing the clock, and whoever's the fastest down the hill at that time uh wins. And uh so yeah, I spent 10 years basically racing at uh, my way up through the professional ranks and yeah five times on the national team represented our country at a bunch of world championships and uh yeah that was like my life and what i thought was going to be my life um and we could talk about that transition to business but
0: uh
1: yeah i just like i love sport and that's kind of why i do what i do today is to just find a way to still be involved in sport
0: yeah cuz that's that i mean downhill cycling is no joke yeah like watching that go on i was in whistler um i believe it was the week before or the week after crankworks but people were still using all the the setups that were already there yeah and so crankworks is a is a huge downhill mountain bike competition correct
1: yeah well all di- it it kind of brings all disciplines together so there's a downhill race there's like a slope style race which is like the tricks and and then every other discipline you know cross country endurance events etc so it's it's more of a, a bike mountain bike per se mountain bike festival where like yeah. everything from like a kids race to the top uh pinnacle events which would be the downhill event and the slope style event nice
0: and so but that event is crazy to watch like just watching the the practice runs i was seeing was nuts
1: yeah and 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 whistler does it right you know like they're they're known for having some of the more gnarly features and uh, pushing the limits on uh, what you'd expect to see people do
0: yeah so now going from that and transitioning into business like I feel like as a, as a, I mean, I played college sports and then trying to figure out what I'm going to do after college sports, like being a professional and, you know, continuing that on into your adult life, like that's gotta be a hard transition going from professional athlete into kind of regular everyday life. Was it a difficult process for you to kind of figure out what you wanted to do once you retired?
1: Yeah. And and honestly, like the retirement was like kind of of my own choice because i did not feel that i was going to reach the level i needed to to kind of make it a more sustainable career you know i was making some money but not enough and um and i was also it's a like as you said it's dangerous sport and it's generally favors the young and even at like in your mid-20s you're getting old in the sport um and so i was just looking like okay well even if i had five more years in this sport like am i able to make kind of the impact or financial outcome i need to to kind of like transition to something else or am i better off kind of pulling the plug now and getting a head start on what's next. And I made the tough decision, you know, that, that year I decided to retire. I came off a season where I was ranked number two in the country that, that season. Um, And so like, I was still super competitive. I still loved it. It was just, unfortunately, one of those decisions you have to make in life where although you love it and it's like, you can do it, it's just maybe not the right thing. And and honestly, Mm -hmm. like now looking back, I wish I kind of walked away two, three years earlier um but you never know like because like I I, I love what I do now and even more of a head start like it would have been even better obviously but yeah you know hindsight's beautiful but uh yeah like when deciding to walk away I didn't have like a plan for what was next um so it was like this two year period of trying to figure that out before I ultimately ended up starting my business but that looked like you know coaching doing my own kind of little coaching business helping other athletes it went back to school for sport management got a job at the Canadian Sport Institute, helping athletes, because I thought, like, the natural progression would be using the tools and skills and insights I learned as an athlete and to help others, and that could be through coaching or sport programs or whatever, or the organization, but, you know, realizing that two years that, like, that wasn't fulfilling for me, mainly on an impact level, like, in those kind of, in those roles and jobs, I could not affect the kind of change I wanted to. I really wanted to like get back to the global stage with something and, and this wasn't it. And it wasn't my thing. You know, when I look back to sport, it's actually like, at least for me, it was super entrepreneurial. What I actually like really enjoyed the most in hindsight was kind of the planning, the preparation, the training, the negotiating my sponsorship contracts, like the finance operation side of it, like traveling, like booking global travel I really enjoyed the process and like the building my own personal brand and business in the cycling industry and like marketing myself, et cetera. So really what I've done with our business today is just like replicate that, but make it more than just me and make it much more about a brand and, and scale that. So it's uh yeah, in hindsight, I'm not sure it was always about the sport as much as it was just like, I was good at that sport was able to kind of like manifest a lot of my entrepreneurial tendencies in it.
0: Now, I mean, that's, I kind of like that story. I, I'm not kind of. I like that story. I like that transition and that realization that that's where you wanted to be, because I mean, as a, a professional mountain biker, it's probably different than being a professional baseball player. Like, are, were you managing more of your own uh, sponsorship deals and travel and all that stuff? Were you doing that all yourself?
1: Yeah, and honestly, like, pro mountain biker is like much different than like making it to the NBA or NHL or whatever. Like the bar is is honestly like this will make me seem less legit or cool but like it's not that high to be a pro mountain biker you know like yeah. it's a much more developing sport and like and look i was never the like you know top kind of like 40 or 50 in the world i was like good in canada i could make it to the world events and did and represent our country in the world champs but like it's not like i was like you know it, i don't think I, I was the equivalent of like would have made like the mba or something in like a more competitive or mature industry so like sure i was really good about biking but i'd say like the the bar and level to entry was like a little more accessible than maybe more developed sports so like pro sounds cool but yeah it was like super kind of like you'd be surprised at how like maybe not pro it is on the back end you know it's like there's not a lot of athletes in that sport that actually have managers and like stuff like that like I'd say maybe one percent of the pro athletes that are are pro like have that but I was managing everything I mean I had teams and sponsors and mechanics and stuff like that like it wasn't you know just me but uh, it certainly wasn't to the level of like I had a business manager and sponsorship manager and all that kind of stuff
0: and I feel like that's actually really similar to the way CrossFit operates now is like the the top of the top, they'll have their managers and their, their teams around them. But there's a lot more people who you see as like pros who are still managing themselves and doing all that work themselves.
1: Yeah. No, and, and that's a, a good example. That's a good CrossFit, you know, cycling, even running, you know, like all these more like in like there's team aspects to it, but they're more individual sports, whereas like the big large team sports or government funded olympic sports like they have a lot more infrastructure built so like maybe i'm not even that correct with saying like the bar was lower to enter it's just that it's not as it's not as organized i should say so like there's just a lot more like there's not a lot of support for that like middle group of professionals that you would find in these bigger organizations so it's a lot it's a lot more rudimentary and a lot more like off the cuff and less professional from the inside looking than like you yep. would expect um you hear pro athlete and you think like you think Michael Jordan Tiger Woods etc it's like that's just not the reality for like 99.9% of pro athletes it's like yeah. straight
0: up 100% so now transitioning from going from that you know kind of realizing you didn't want to be in the the sport world as much with the sport specifically how did you start to grow your brand? Cause you grew from, from almost nothing just being by yourself. Correct. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah.
1: It was, you- it was fully nothing. You know, like the original idea was just me putting up an Instagram page and a post for my like basement suite uh, on my phone. Like that was it, you know, like yeah. beyond nothing. Um, and then, you know, next day went down to the local mall and went to Lids, which is like a, a hat store and they can, do customization. So I got my logo, put on the the hat and got like 10 made and took them to school with me and was like, yo, I have a brand. Like who wants to buy some of these hats? And that was in business. Like that was it. That was like what I knew from like I think what maybe made me a little different, I would say, like in those early days was like I had learned that like through cycling like, you just have to start and like there's never a perfect time. There's never the plan. Like I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm gonna start a business so I need to have like a business plan and like they wouldn't necessarily just like go to lids the next day and get hats and get like try to sell them I just like I knew that like that was like the quickest way to start learning and just like just to go out there and start doing it rather than like writing my thoughts down because I would eventually just probably convince myself not to start if I did that um, but to answer kind of like the question growth basically just looked like I wanted to like solve my own problem I wanted to build a brand that was like For the everyday athlete, as an athlete who transitioned out, I found, like, some of the brands and athletes I looked up to weren't as relevant to me as, like, just a normal person now, like, not a full-time athlete. So, I was like, you know, where's the athletic brand that talks more about, like, pursuit of personal bests or just, like, you know, just making it to the gym, which was, like, exceptionally hard, you know? Yeah. with like a busier schedule I had to work I was in school like it was much harder like before my my entire day was dedicated to just like eating well and going to the gym and biking you know it's like pretty easy to exercise when that's like your entire day um, and so I wanted to build a brand so that I was like well okay if I have that brand there's surely other people that are kind of similar to me let's build a brand ambassador network and like get them to start promoting our values and it was just like really kind of low-cost acquisition stuff like that of like you know, how do we market the brand? How can we just get it out there? How can we sort of spread this message? and that was that was really it.
0: And then starting that build, you know were you working with custom designers? like how did that that whole start to to be able to develop the product you have because a lot of the products have you know fairly high design value with them.
1: Yeah, I taught myself everything. Um it was just basically me. um I had a co-founder. Who helped out with some of like the end operation stuff but in terms of like design marketing all the stuff you see from the outside even the storytelling and, and stuff like that the website um i taught myself so i learned illustrator and photoshop like i learned how to source and, and manufacture products overseas uh, i taught myself kind of the um the technical aspects of the product and how those need to be improved how to like run a website and dispatch and all that stuff and like like this isn't rocket science you know i think it 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 is very hard but Mm -hmm. it's it's really not that complicated i think the hardest part is just putting in the time and like being able to persist day over day with like that feeling of failure because like everything is like an uphill battle when you're trying to figure out like 10 things at once and they're all complicated so again i think what made me maybe a little more uniquely qualified to start something like this was that again in cycling like nothing was handed to me like I had to teach myself like when I was 16 I just took a flight to Italy and you know like there was connecting flights in Germany and etc and like I had no idea what the hell I was doing like I didn't even know where Italy was I thought it was somewhere in North America and that's not a joke like <laughs> you know like it, like I, I like geography was one of my least favorite s- subjects in school um you know just a dumb kid like I was like why do I need to know anything about this and and you know but I got on a plane I was like I'm going to Italy and like figured it out and so like I just learned that like hey these things most things in life can just be figured out like you don't need to go hire someone to do design like you're more than capable (laughs) to do it I think a lot of people like underestimate their capabilities like I think we've learned maybe as a generation or people have learned that like everything should just be kind of outsourced or like there's like like our entire generation is just getting their hand held through life now you know what i mean like participation medals and like no someone can help you with this and like oh my god your feelings are hurt like let's bend the rules for you it's like no how about you just like fucking grow up and figure it out you know like life's not fair and sometimes you just got to put the work in like it's it's pretty pretty simple
0: and i think that that's what a lot of people avoid now is just trying to put the work in to get to where they want to go
1: Well, yeah, we live in a, we live in a world right now of like people wanting to shift, um, you know, equal opportunity to equal outcome. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That's not how life works. You know, like you're not owed anything. Everything is earned. Um, And people just like to look now, I think because we have so much access to other people, like through social media and there's just so much input that like, it almost feels unfair that maybe you're not where they are. Whereas before maybe you didn't see it all and you weren't exposed and like, you were a little more like, okay, well, if I want to get there, it's up to me. Um, And now I, I don't know fully why, but like, I've always operated from the, like the understanding that like I'm owed nothing. And I think that's the beautiful thing about sport is like professional sport or competitive sport, you know, I'm not talking about kind of recreational sport where now everyone's a winner, right? Like I'm talking about like legitimate competition where you show up and you're ranked and there's no faking it. Like if you didn't train, let's use CrossFit for an example. You show up to, let's just say the the CrossFit, uh, uh, whatever the the open or games here in Canada, like if you didn't train, you're going to like, you're going to be out in the first round. Like you're not going to be able to do the pull-ups or the the exercise. Like there's no one going to be there. That's going to come grab your legs and help you out. You know, it's like, you're out, you're done. Um, and the winners, you understand why they won. You can just look at them, right? You're like, that person put the work in. Um, I think that's, like, the beautiful thing about sport is it's almost, like, one of the last things in this world where, like, it's super clear that the person that works hard, like, actually reaps the reward, right? And, like, unfortunately, in many other areas of life, that's just not the case anymore. It's just, like, oh, that person worked really hard, but because of X, Y, Z rule, like it doesn't matter. And this person who worked half as hard is going to get the same outcome as you, like generally in the workplace. And it's just pathetic, I think. Like, I think it's like, we're just going backwards and it's no way to run run the world. And um, there's there's a time and place for that kind of thing. And there's definitely inequities and, and fairnesses that need to be solved. And I'm not blind to that, but I think in most cases, um, we're not putting the work in.
0: Yeah, I I. Very much agree with you that I think the the work needs to be put in for a lot of these. I mean, there's so many different things that we could be talking about right now, or we can be applying this to, but I think everything comes down to just putting that work in and putting the time in to be able to grow and, and become successful, at whatever you're doing. And I liked yeah, and your I, messaging earlier about just starting.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like, it is look, I think, I think one of the main things that like stop you from just starting or not putting the work in is because that, they they don't realize that failure over and over and over again is like the key component of that. Like it, it yeah. it's not just, it's not just straighten up to the right. Like, and that's the other beautiful thing about work uh, about sport is like what I learned as an athlete was, you know, I, I raced like 10 to 15 times a year and maybe one once, right? Like I failed mm-hmm. the majority of my career. If, 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 you know, like if failure was defined by not winning, then technically I failed like almost all the time. And same with like, a lot of athletes say this, like they missed way more shots and like, you know, like, uh, like they, they, they missed way more shots than they they got in or whatever in basketball yeah. or something like that. So it's like, um, but it's not technically failure. It's just learning, you know, you're just putting in the reps, you're just doing the work. And, um, I think a lot of people just realize that like, or like nowadays, like they don't persist. They just have that initial failure. And they're like, well, I guess this isn't for me or this isn't fair. Or, you know, I'm not good enough. It's like, well, no, like, Everything, like I put in a thousand dollars to start this business. And I got, I like, I've learned so many hard lessons over the five years, like failed so many times. And like, I've just persisted. I just decided that this wasn't going to be what took me down. And here we are today. And there's still a lot of work ahead of us, but like, it's, it's not been easy.
0: Oh no. I think anybody who thinks being an entrepreneur is easy is, is very mistaken. And anybody who tries it learns very quickly. that it is a very difficult thing to do.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of benefits, obviously, and there's a lot of upsides. But it's like anything. It's like, again, like sport, and any athlete would tell you, it's like, as an outsider looking into a professional athlete, it's like you see when they're on the podium, you see them like getting the accolades or signing autographs or whatever. But you don't see the ninety nine percent of the time where they're starving themselves to make weight, or they're exceptionally stressed out, or they're doing the six a.m. run in the rain, or they're doing. You know, like all of these things that you don't see um, and they're just uncomfortable almost all the time. Um, You don't see that. Right. So like it, 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 it it definitely skews the perception of like what it really means to be, you know, a top performer in these different areas Um, because Mm -hmm. the media just kind of like highlights the good stuff, you know, for every one person that there's a documentary on Netflix about, there's like hundreds of thousands or millions of people that didn't make it.
0: Oh, millions easily. Yeah. Yeah. the uh you know you look at those kinds of things like michael jordan there's something like michael jordan was cut from his like grade 9 or grade 10 basketball team
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, like that's the failure that's the beginning process like that could have been the catalyst for the entire you know the one of the greatest basketball players if not the greatest basketball player we've ever seen being for cut sure. and, and failing
1: well yeah, in the end his own words i'm like not a direct quote, but like, I think what he said was that like, that was a huge motivation for him. That was like a driver to actually, you know, prove that coach wrong. Right. And like, and, and, you know, Jordan's famous for, you know, like making or having enemies in his mind, whether or not they were as kind of like the catalyst or the, the driver to overcome um, all the incredible feats he's, he's had. Um, But, you know, I think the average person would have, would have taken that as the end oh I got yeah. cut like I guess this is the end of the road and and I guess that's a great example because like it's not the end you know it ain't over till it's over um yeah. and it's really up to you and sometimes there's a I think you know there's an equally true group of people that sometimes need to know when to pack it in uh, at the same time you know yeah. um but I think generally speaking more people are just not giving it a fair shot
0: yeah now with you, you guys just had to go through a big rebrand. you guys had some external factors. Was that something that was like a catalyst for you to to kind of grind more to work harder? like what was that when you you know first got approached about this and I'll let you speak to everything there but um, was that a catalyst for for the change or or for wanting more from the company or you know obviously you didn't pack it in?
1: Yeah. And honestly, like, so we were five years in at this point, you know, big team, um, like, like kind of like the business from the outside looks like it's working, you know, and it is, mm-hmm. and it's all the things up to like, a, if we walk even further back, like two years in the business, I had to buy out my co-founder. I had to come up with a, like $150,000, which at the time to me was like $150 million, like no joke. Yeah. And And that was super difficult. And that was a catalyst moment to be like, okay, well, I'm going to have to put 150 grand into this business uh, and go into kind of personal debt. And this is some serious skin in the game. So that was the first time where it's like, okay, is this the the business that I feel like I'm going to like dedicate my entire life to? I was obviously into it at that point, but that's where it's like really skin in the game all in. So that was kind of like the first thing that happened that was kind of like, honestly, 50, 50, maybe even less of a chance of me making it through that. Like it almost, I almost had to walk away and the business almost collapsed because of this like from financial pressure. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of years later then COVID happens. Right. And that's another moment Mm -hmm. where it's like, who knows what's going to happen. It was super gnarly for that first month. Like the whole world was kind of figuring what's going on. And, uh, you know, I made a, a commitment to not like not cut pay of my core team and that was super stressful and, and whatever, but like we got through that and, uh, so it's kind of like moment number two, not as drastic, but a uh, moment two. And then, yeah, this, this, this one was like, there was just a lot more and the stakes get higher. Cause there's a lot more riding on it. At this point, we we're like nearly 15 full-time people, 10 part-time people. We were just closing in the midst of closing like a, an investment round for $3.2 million. And then, you know, I get an email that basically we can't, I can't get into the details too much that basically states that like, shows that we're like possibly going to have to go through a rebrand and change our name. And to me, I'm like, that feels like a death blow. You know, it's like, well, yeah. we've built this brand around a name for five years. And, and so like the immediate reaction was kind of like that sinking feeling that sick to your stomach, kind of like, what am I going to do? But honestly, like within the hour and a couple hours, it like, it, it did shift towards like, okay, we're going to figure it out. Like, this is not a death blow. Nothing is. And this is going to suck and it's really hard, but we'll figure it out. And, uh, and ultimately like if we're, if you decide that you're going to go forward and, and kind of like grind it out, I think you have to then adopt the mindset that this was like meant to be and that you're going to use this as an opportunity to actually evolve and grow even more. Right. This isn't just surviving. This is in your words, like a catalyst to evolve and to like truly make something of the opportunity which we did on the buy it which we did on covid and now we've done again on the rebrand so it's like like that's the difference it's not just like fighting and surviving it's like okay you know what like maybe similar to the michael jordan thing it's like we're gonna change our name and you know what it's gonna be 10 times bigger than our other brand was you know so like let's go
0: mm-hmm. now since the rebrand have you guys made any changes to like structurally to the company or like how you guys go about your day to day business? Or is it like, it's just a straight up rebrand. And then now we're just, we're grinding harder.
1: Um, I would say like at its most foundational level, like everything's remained the same, except our name. Like we have the same logo team, ownership, structure, products, manufacturers, processes for the most part. Mm -hmm. However, every piece of that got dug into to make sure it was just like, on mission on value for the right reasons can it be improved can it be elevated so like i think most mentally stable people would have just like decided that changing the name would be hard enough but we were like okay let's just like dig into the entire business at the same time and just come out like absolutely swinging on the rebrand so that looked like from a product standpoint introducing new sizing Uh, elevating the logo detail from like embroidery to a silicone heat seal patch, which is just higher quality and reduces any kind of possible irritation, Um, launching new products, like our new caps that came out and some other stuff we have in development, website updates that make it just easier to navigate as well as 3d renderings of our product. And then just a million other things under the hood, like refining our values mission, why we're doing what we're doing. We moved offices to have like a more kind of like, inspiring space and to kind of be able to facilitate the growth that we're going through so everything's the same but evolved
0: good good i'm i haven't been able to see the new space yet i gotta i gotta swing by and check that out but that's it's it's great yeah then the other space that you guys had you guys had a very like open concept with with everything um gorgeous so i can imagine this one is going to be even better so i'll have to come by yeah. and check that out
1: yeah it's it's just like the other one optimized elevated like even bigger open space better lighting better desks just better like we really wanted just like i said like okay we're going to go through this rebrand process and we'll just go through it and do it like let's come out just like i've said this a few times but like it was our butterfly moment just like what i coined as was like over mm-hmm. the past five years, we were this this other form and, you know, we were finding our place in this world. We were learning. We have our lived experience. and Then we went through this of evolution. And although like in our DNA and our guts are, are, were the same, we look a little bit different, but we've now grown wings and we're taking this brand to all new heights. You know, we're just like, we've just evolved into something that's completely, you know, bigger, better, more beautiful. And it's going to be, yeah, just exceptionally great.
0: Yeah. And I mean, all of this is just pretty brand new too like as we're talking about it here the the rebrand has only been fully announced for the last like two to three weeks correct
1: yeah exactly we we launched it on on may 1st so yeah we're, we're literally like a couple weeks in um and so like it's been a bit of a whirlwind but honestly like nothing changed at the same time on our end right like we still yeah. do all the same things so like it's kind of business as usual um, but we're just we're stoked on all the hard work and it's nice to kind of not be living a double life before we were kind of like keeping the current name and brand like going, but like working on the other one and not being able to like, what really gives us energy here is like constantly innovating and doing new things. And we weren't mm-hmm. able to do that for six months because we were doing it all on background, like in anticipation of the new launch. So yeah, um, it's really nice to kind of be able to just like every day kind of know that we're investing in the new thing you know like yeah. whereas before it's like oh do we want to do a huge promotion right now with the old brand name and you know get it on millions of eyes or do we kind of wait and it just killed me to wait it's not my like personality to kind of like take the foot off the gas but there's a time and place and it was the right call
0: how is that with with managing that because you still have to continue to grow your brand and you still have to continue to put the work in on on the brand as is until the relaunch um but like how 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 do you even decide on like the financial resources that go into that? Like you do, you know, you guys do a lot of online um, marketing and, and Facebook ads, Instagram ads, that kind of thing. Are you leaning into that as much? Do you pull off the throttle there? Like, you know, like you said, like you have a new brand coming out very shortly or the the brand is changing. Uh, How do you decide on what energy to put into that old branding, especially in like, you know, like, let's just say even in 2022 after like March, when you know the launch is coming, like what do you guys do in that situation?
1: Yeah, it's look. there was no science to it. We just did what we felt was best. So we just focused on continually investing in the things we knew weren't changing. So luckily like we're able to maintain the use of our logo, like this, this U logo for anyone who's watching. Um, it's what's been on all of our products in the past. So that was like a big win through this whole thing is that like our logo worked with our new name. And we were able to maintain uh, a little piece of our old identity that's, that's able to be referenced and recognized by our our past customers, as well as complete product relevancy from anything we've sold in the past, because like it has the same logo on it. Um, So that was a huge win and that definitely made our job a lot easier. So we could continue to kind of like push, push the product forward and, and like really invest in just getting the product out there. I think that's like the benefit of our business. Whereas like, if it was maybe a business where we were selling something that was way more tied to the name Mm -hmm. um, where that the name was a big part of the experience, like it would have been exceptionally difficult. Um, So we just really focused on just continual investment and growth in the areas we knew weren't really going to change post name change. Uh, We started to kind of like, if you looked you wouldn't really realize maybe from the outside but like immediately we started pulling the name off of a lot of things like in our emails our website we just used the you so for like about six months our name endure wasn't really being used through promotion so we were really moving a lot of the recognition over six months to just the you because we knew that that would stay as an anchor and then just kind of go back to having the new name put there so that was a conscious effort um, but yeah like I said there's no science I'm sure there's a million things we could have done better and maybe some things we we um, did really well but uh, I'd say like for anyone else going through it or finding themselves working on something that's not live just focus on building the things that are evergreen that continue to to go over time um, yeah just things that that uh, are still with us
0: No, I like that. That's a good conscious decision, especially with the logo, because that's actually the one thing I was surprised by when I saw the rebrand come out. I was like, "Oh, logo is the same." Like that works out. That's like a perfect world situation almost.
1: Well, yeah, and we actually through the process. So, like through the renaming process, which is just a just an insanely painful process, like. (laughs) Oh man, I'll, like I'll, I'll just be so happy if I never have to do it again. Maybe finding a new name is fine, but having to like rebrand, there's a lot of extra complexities of like, how does it continue the story, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but we decided like, okay, we wanted like the, the initial goal was let's keep our logo, but then it soon realized that like by trying to find a name with like a a U with a line over it or some way of incorporating that, it was putting us in a box. So we had actually made the decision that like we're just gonna ditch the logo. Like this is almost like three months into the process too, because we were just finding ourselves going in circles and trying to find a good name. We're like, we just can't compromise a strong name to try and keep this logo. Like it's going to make the job a lot harder, but like we ultimately have to make the best decisions. Sometimes the decisions are, tar- are the hard ones, but then we came up with the new name after kind of letting go of the bias and having the logo and then revisited, like, does this logo work? And and honestly, this, is, this was like one of the only moments, not only moments, but one of the moments through this whole process that was like a light at the end of the tunnel where like maybe this was meant to be. And when we looked at our logo, and this can be hard for anyone who's not watching to see, but if you if you go look at our U logo, it actually spells out, you know, so our, our brand name's Outweigh. Mm-hmm. The logo, without knowing it spelled out, obviously there's a black circle, which is an O. There's obviously a U in the logo, which is the U. And then there's a line over the U. And if you look in the negative space between the U and under the T, it creates like a negative space T. So um, or under the U in line, there's negative T. Um, so it spells out. We're like, oh my goodness, like this new logo works. With- there we go. There- Here we go. I got yeah. it for you. Yeah, there you go. So if you see like that negative space in the U um, between the white and then under the white line, it's, there's a T there. Yeah, exactly. You see it. Yeah. There you go. So it's spelled out and we're like, wow, there's a story here. We get to keep the logo and arguably works better than it did with our old name. There was no out in our old name or anything like that. And and to us, like the logo and name are, are separate parts of the brand anyways. Like the logo is representative of the unique journey that we're all on in pursuit of a personal best. And sorry about the dog. It's,
0: it's all good. All yeah.
1: good. Uh, I'm in the office. So like we're doing our best, but um, um, yeah. And so like, it wasn't super, like logo like if you think about it like a reference i made is like nike the swoosh has nothing to do with the word nike it's just a logo right like or lululemon like their logo is an upside down a that was attached to one of their original brand name ideas which is athletically hip has nothing to do with lululemon so like even though like our logo has a story and how it ties into the new name it wasn't necessarily of supreme importance that it like tied in that well Mm -hmm. but it just worked out that it did and it was just like one of those moments of like okay maybe this was something that needed to happen. And this is a part of our story and evolution is like, okay, like, and that makes our life a lot easier by being able to keep the logo too. So that was like a pretty special moment.
0: I didn't realize that it actually, I, you know, I've seen the logo so many times I never considered that it has the, the letters in the, in, in the graphic in it. And it actually, now that you pointed out, it does work way better. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, and it was unintentional, which is kind of like the, one of the beautiful things about this whole process is like, none of that was intentional and it only came to be after reviewing it all from like Mm -hmm. a 30,000 foot view and being like, what's the story here? And it, the story kind of presented itself, which was just, yeah, I don't know. Like it was such a hard process. It was just, it was just like such a win.
0: Yeah. And you guys worked with another company to do the rebrand or did you guys do it all yourself?
1: Yeah. Like generally we pride ourselves in doing a lot of our own stuff in house, but like when it comes to something like this, it's super important to get outside perspective when you're really emotionally involved. Um, and so, yeah, we use the local agency. And also like with something of this magnitude, I am a fan of getting just like world leading experts to help you, you know, mm-hmm. so, like we got one of the best design agencies here in town and in, in the world and people that have been there done that. It's just like, you know, if we're going to invest lots of money into this and kind of want to give ourselves the best shot, you know, at success after rebranding, like we might as well do it right. So, um, yeah, we worked with outside, outside help on this. And, uh, really like when you, when you do that, if you're, if you work with an agency that does their job, right. Really what they're doing is extracting your own ideas out of you. You know, and people might think like, oh, I don't want to work with someone because then it's not mine or it's not my idea. It's like everything that came out of working at the agency, of course, like ultimately they did the work and, and did a lot of helping us but like it all came out of what we were telling them and what we were doing and and it was a lot of thought exercises a lot of brand strategy so it's a real collaborative effort i think a lot of people might get kind of like their ego up in a bunch that like, Oh, I didn't pick the name myself. So I can't be like, I can't use it or something like that. So it's like, but yeah. nothing's that original, you know, it's like, it's, it's ultimately all come out of the work that we've done over five years. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, it was super important to work with it. And by default, I generally hate agencies, but this was a good experience.
0: Good. Nice. When you're building the brand and the company, you know, you talked about like the, uh, kind of the pillars of the company and the, and the, the essence of the company how the heck do you decide that? Like, how do you go, like, this is going to be our brand identity. This is what we're going to stand for. Here's the, the things we're going to believe in. Like, where does that start for you?
1: It evolves over time. I think day one, it's kind of like, why are you doing what you're doing and like, what's important to you? Um, and it varies from business to business. I'll just, I'll, I'll speak my own book because that's my experience. But For me, it was like building a brand around perseverance and kind of the journey we're all on as active people. Um, And then as it grew, we started to get a, a brand ambassador network and thousands of people that could start telling us what the brand meant to them. And so like a part of the rebrand process was talking to these people and getting thousands of inputs. Like ultimately, like one of the first things we did around the renaming process wasn't start to try and find names. It was just like, okay, let's truly define like what we do, like the, the space we occupy in this world, like what are, like, what do our, what are people that buy our product? Think about our brand. Cause like, before we're trying to come up with a new name, it's super important for us to understand like why they're buying in the first place or, or the feeling they have, and then build a name or a, a, a rebrand up from that feeling. And ultimately what we heard when I was interviewing, you know, our ambassadors or, or people I know, or even myself, it's like, they would buy or wear the product, when they would x and x was an important conference they were going to a talk or an athletic event or a competition or something and what all of that ultimately to me felt like was like some pursuit of our personal best like that's what they like our socks were ultimately like this kind of like motivator for them a piece of clothing that like spoke to them and it was exciting for them and they loved the design it made them feel a certain way and it made them feel confident so what we really took from that was like well our mission like what we're really doing in here is like trying to inspire everyone's personal best. Like, that's why we do what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so from there it was about just finding a name that could champion that message. And to us, it's like in pursuit of your personal best, one must be willing to kind of put themselves out there and carve their own way. And so like, that's the, like the amalgamation of those two worlds is uh, words is outweigh and that's how it builds on the mission. And you know outweigh the odds there's other kind of like little t- plays you can have on it but um yeah obviously that's not spelt correctly but like whatever <laughs> it sounds sounds cool sounds. Um, but yeah so that was like how do you know it I mean I think it's just a lot about like listening to people that interact and like be open to it ever evolving and changing and making sure it stays authentic to your community because like if you're not building and evolving to kind of the the larger group of people that are really your true fans then like why are you doing what you're doing? You know, it's not like a the business needs to be way more than you or anything. And then it's really just defining and solidifying the culture you want to have internally. Um, and there's, again, there's no science to this, which makes business building like exceptionally hard. Cause there's no, yeah. like there's no cookie cutter way to do all of this. But I would say like if one of the main goals is just remaining authentic and mission driven, then it usually you just figure it out as you go.
0: Yeah. How have you, And like, I've seen the office, like I said before, and and I've seen the work environment. What have you done to like foster that work environment and create something that, that everybody's excited to go to? Cause that's a, I feel like that's such a big part of building a team these days.
1: Again, I think it all comes down to kind of mission focus and people like seeing what we're just trying to do in the world. And like, it's exciting to kind of be a part of that. And also like, you know, if the brand speaks to your values, like people want to like work on things that that are exciting you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. i don't think it's so much of a conscious effort of like you know when we built at the new office it was a super conscious effort of like okay like let's make sure we get better desks and standing desks like if we're an athletic company like our desks should be kind of like you know electric and stand and be able to kind of go up and down and we should have some areas where there's different seating arrangements and space to kind of unplug and meeting. like there's a lot of kind of considerations that went into the new office but in the early days it's like it's hard it's in the trenches you don't have any money you can't invest in like those things so it's really i think about just like being super clear about like what the mission is and the values of the company and then just making sure that you're hiring based on that you know like like it's like anything it'd be like why do people join crossfit right it's because like they're interested in it and ultimately like crossfit's like a a super passionate group of people about the sport right and uh and that's why they go I think if someone wasn't passionate, like, why the hell would they go suffer for the hour? You know, it's just they'd be like, they wouldn't do it, you know? It like, so I say, like, people don't like, people keep coming back to CrossFit, not because it's easy or like it's because they love doing it. So I'd say it's maybe similar to that. It's like, and it's really hard to pinpoint like what it is, but it's a part of the community. It's part of like a way of exercising, a way of um, achieving personal bests and continually trying to like improve. And that's what we try to do here. So I think like one of the things we do do is, offer our, our people a lot of autonomy and opportunity to kind of like try new things, make mistakes, like actually put work out that like reaches the customer and like see how that's that's um see how that's the results of that. So super exciting to get kind of feedback as a, an employee or a part of the business where like you see what you do as like a direct impact and you can be proud of that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Now one thing we haven't talked about too is you guys have another brand as well, which is the the Custom Labs Co. Uh and tell me a little bit about what that is as well, because I mean you have Outway, that's that's your primary brand. And then tell me about Custom Labs and what you guys do over there.
1: Yeah, so Custom Labs is a sub brand of Outway where we realized that like this is kind of an early realization. And in hindsight, I'll I'll explain it now, which sounds like a master plan, but I just like was figuring it out as we were going in the early days. Really what happened was like when I started the business some of my old sponsors emailed me and were like, Hey, I see you've started a little sock business and we need socks for a promotional event. Uh, Can you make some for us? I was like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah. I mean, I don't see why not, you know? So I did like 500 pairs of muscle milk socks and uh, sent those. And it was like 3000 bucks or something. I was like, Whoa, that was easy. Like that was way better than selling, you know, one pair at a time for 20 bucks. And then I realized, okay, well, maybe there's a market of other brands that need socks and, slowly but surely realize that like we've built this set of skills like sourcing, manufacturing, designing products, like why not use those skills in multiple different domains to to generate revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. and so custom labs is a way to leverage our manufacturing design and expertise to create socks for other brands and sell at high volume. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to doing that some of which are cash flow some of which are increasing our 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 kind of order quantities with our manufacturers to get more favorable terms and pricing etc so there's yeah and it's also just kind of cool to kind of have a, a sub brand and business that relies on different market conditions so that like it, it insulates the business and de-risks it a little bit so um yeah so custom labs like we'll do socks for brands like Red Bull um, and then everything down to you know the local running group um so anyone out who's listening to this who wants custom socks for anything wedding conference giveaway uh custom and you know we'll hook you up
0: nice. with uh with some of the uh the outsourcing and the, not the outsourcing excuse me the manufacturing and pulling from overseas have you noticed an impact from like the cost of gas prices and transportation right now like does that impact you guys in any way or does that become a factor
1: yeah these things always impact us and um no industry is really insulated from it it's just you just got to kind of work those sort of things into your your forecasting it's obviously an exceptionally trying time right now with uh still rolling lockouts throughout China, um, increasing gas prices, container prices, shipping prices, everything prices. We're in a very inflationary environment. So um, yeah, there's challenges, but again, like none of these things are impossible to figure out. You just got to kind of roll with the punches, um, yeah. but it definitely like weighs on your mind, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, from a business owner standpoint, I feel like everything's going to weigh on your mind.
1: Well, that's to your point about like entrepreneurship's not easy. You know, it's like, I'm definitely at the point in the journey where there's some things to really enjoy, you know, like I've got a lot of autonomy. I've got a great team. Um, and so I've got, I've got some freedom and I really enjoy this part of business that I'm in where like my job is to do a lot of this kind of stuff and do a lot of um, meeting other entrepreneurs to try and, you know, like I, I really say like, my goal is to just take as many inputs as possible to try and connect the dots in my head that I'm able to f- make sense of kind of like the really monumental moves we need to make and then work with my core team, my direct reports to execute on those. So my goal is to really see the map and, mm. and make sense of like how we connect the dots. And, um, and the way i found that's most successful doing that is like a lot of reading, a lot of podcasts, a lot of meeting with people, talking with people, um, as much as doing this, you know, sometimes like I, I give myself ideas when I'm asked a question that maybe I haven't been asked before and I have to explain something. I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, we do do that. And that reminds me of this thing we need to do. And I'll get off this podcast and go write it down and and we'll execute on it. So nice. I really enjoy that. But to your point, like it never, you, you never get to turn it off. You know what I mean? Like you go yeah. home and there's the stress of like, you know, your team grows, like you're, you're dealing with all of that. Like the buck stops with you you know so like everything any any problem big or small funnels up to the top and there's people that i have to to help with it but ultimately like the stress still lives with me like some of the like the rebrand was exceptionally trying like i think it was one of the more difficult six months of my entire life like yeah like it was just it's, it's hard to even explain how hard it was so that's that's definitely the downside
0: all right rob on that note before we go what's your favorite what's your go-to product is there a design that that's like your your like personal best you're going into a big meeting you're going to throw these ones on
1: um yeah like it, it changes basically any like for me if i have like a really big event i'll try and wear any sock design we have that's current or past that to do with like outer space okay. um so like rockets or planets or something because like to me in humanity it's always been like that's like the pinnacle of like ambition is to try and go to the moon or try to go to mars or something like that so to me when i wear those that's like my small like way of saying like this is my to mars moment you know so um that's definitely like been something i gravitate towards and like funny enough like these caps that we have are like one of my favorite products it's not even a sock but we have like these these caps. Cause I think they just like, they're like the socks of our head. Like they're like, they look good, but they're both, they're athletic and technical. And I think we just really nailed it with this product. And I, I really enjoy the hat um, because then I don't have to do my hair and it's just, <laughs> it is like, it's perfect. I love it. So um, yeah, that's kind of like my two favorite go-tos right now.
0: Awesome. All um, right. So on Instagram at outweigh so- at, excuse me, at outweigh socks. Yeah. Um, and then you can find, you guys are all over the internet. Outway socks. Anywhere else they can find you guys?
1: Yeah, we got outway.com. So it's just O U T W A Y all one word.com, which was great. Not, not very cheap, but, uh, it was good to get like a six letter domain. It was like part of the process of like going down the checklist of things we wanted with a new brand name was like a domain name available. And we're working, we're working on, on background, trying to get at Outway on all the social platforms, but that's way more complicated than like buying domains. Um, but yeah, so at Outway Socks across all socials, we're most active on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um uh, If you sign up to our newsletter, you get a discount on product, and you get also access to other promotions. And then people are interested in following me. I like, and Maybe you enjoyed some of this story, maybe not. But um, I'm pretty active on Twitter and LinkedIn, just Rob Fraser, at Rob Fraser, R-O-B-B Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R. And uh, I just kind of post in real time almost daily, what's going on in our business and things that are going on. So um, if people want to stay connected with our story and see kind of behind the scenes, then uh, that's where you can connect with me. And I try to try to answer DMS and questions um, that come through when possible as well.
0: Awesome. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for telling the story and uh, congrats on the, uh, the new rebranding.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Super fun.
0: Appreciate it. All right, guys, have a great week training. With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home, to movement specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro.
2: Every training session introduces a series of questions Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox from a full featured exercise log to side by side comparisons to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn to make progress and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students. And with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.